Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome back, everyone, to the Really Real Real Estate Podcast. Episode number 128, what is a contingency? It's very simple, but imperative concept in the sales contract that many buyers and sellers are not aware of when they are buying or selling their home. Today, we dive into the nitty gritty of what a contingency is in the sales contract and why it is so important to understand this crucial concept when buying or selling your next home. My name is Lou Lombardi. Now, welcome your real estate expert, Mr. Jason Wilcox. I don't know why I love the phrase nitty gritty. I don't know why. I, I, it's a very like, <laughs> I think I learned that phrase in like, like, like kindergarten. I think I learned that after about third grade, it's not really appropriate to use in a professional setting. Not that it's a bad word. It's just not, you know, what part of the big professional uh vocabulary but i like the phrase nitty-gritty and that's all i have to say i'm I'm glad i'm glad that you like it also so so did the nitty-gritty dirt band they they like that phrase too because they had some big hits in the 70s with that um that's awesome i didn't know there was that band i'm ashamed to admit yeah they sang they sang mr bojangles that was their big nice uh, their big hit in this in the 70s anyway so (laughs) you learn something new every day here at the really real real estate podcast do i love it okay cool cool (laughs) Um, so we're going to get into this. So I, I'm, I have some ideas of what it might be, but I'm not going to guess because I'm not the real estate expert. Jason is, even though I feel like I've learned a lot in the past, uh, couple of years working with him. I, uh, Jason is the man. So Jay, what is this idea of a contingency in uh, the contract? Yes. So before I dive, before I answer that question, I want to just dive into something real briefly. This is a phrase that you're going to hear a lot, or not a phrase, a word that you're going to hear a lot when you're um, working, whether you're a buyer or a seller and you're working with an agent, you're going to hear the phrase contingency a lot when it comes to an offer that's being made on the house. And I very quickly learned that this is one of those phrases that I work with day in and day out. So I know exactly what this word means. And it wasn't until about four or five buyers in that they're like, what's a contingency? What's a contingency? What's a contingency? That I thought, hmm, maybe I should do an episode on this because what I thought was common knowledge is is not common knowledge. So uh, I thought this would be a great uh, kind of, again, nitty gritty concept to dive into. So I'm sure contingency, if you were to go to Merriam-Webster's dictionary probably has 37 different definitions of what it means. In layman's terms, in the real estate world, what a contingency basically means is that it's something a buyer puts on an offer 
that gives them the right to walk away if it doesn't go well. A, provi- get- a provision for an unforeseen event or circumstance. Yes. Provision is probably the, the, the key word there. Yes. Was that from Merriam-Webster's? Yeah. Yeah, basically. Sure. Or Google, which is the same as Merriam-Webster's. Exactly. I'm, I'm pretty sure Merriam-Webster's is okay being compared to Google. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, it's it's a provision, and, and it's basically basically it's a it's a it's a get out clause. Um, it's if something doesn't go right, uh, then the buyer has a right to walk away. So the question becomes, why? would a buyer want to include a contingency in an offer? The reason they want to include a contingency in the offer is because if there's something that's out of their control, they're going to want to be able to back out without any consequence. They're going to be putting down hand money, good faith money, earnest money, deposit money. There's a previous episode in our archives on that. They're going to put $1,000, $2,500 5000 10000 $30,000 down. They're going to want to know that they can get that money back if something goes wrong. We're going to get into all of the different um, contingencies here in a second, but the most common one being an inspection contingency. If something goes horrifically wrong with the inspection, they want to be able to back out and they want to be able to get their money. That's why they put the contingency on. It allows them to back out if something goes wrong. Now, note that when I say that the contingency is a bona fide reason, it's not just because they want to walk away. It's, hey, something went horrifically wrong. They found something on the inspection we weren't aware of. That's why we want to walk away. So that provision allows them to get out and, and retain their hand money. Because, again, you know, whether we're talking about a thousand or thirty thousand dollars in hand money, it's a lot of money. And so buyers want to know that they can get that hand money back. That's why they're going to include the contingency in a sales contract. Okay. And that sort of answers the question why a buyer would include it. Um, so yes. there are some pros and cons because as with everything, there always is. <laughs> yes. And I guess I, I kind of wrote this wrong. There are not necessarily pros and cons. There's a pro and a con. There's a really pro. one to each. Yeah. So there's not really multiple reasons. There's one reason. So the pro is for the buyer. The pro is every contingency gives you a reason to walk away if you're not satisfied. So again, we'll get into all the specifics here, but if you're not satisfied with the inspection, you have a right to get out and recuperate your hand money. That's the pro. The con as a buyer is it makes your offer less desirable. And the reason why that's huge is because in 2010, when they couldn't give houses away for for free, you know, you could put all the contingencies in the world that you wanted. In 2022, where it's still very much a seller's market, and sometimes you're not the only person putting an offer in, it makes your offer less desirable. So you have to know that every contingency that you put on, look, I have buyers that put four or five, six contingencies in a a sales contract. They have that right. They have that right to make sure that everything is going to go the way they want it to before buying the house. But you have to know that for every contingency, it makes your offer a little less desirable. Makes your offer a little less desirable. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. So those, that's the pro, that's the con. Now, before we dive into what are the most common types of contingencies in the sales contract, this is the point that I want to drive home because this is what actually, believe it or not, confuses buyers the most. You can still conduct 
any activity you want after you buy your home. A contingency is nothing more than a chance for you to back out of the sales contract if something goes wrong. What does that mean? One of the inspection contingencies that you can elect is a survey to get a survey of the house. If somebody wants to put you know, their Olympic-sized swimming pool in the backyard and that's a deal breaker for them, of course, I want them to get a survey to make sure that they can put their Olympic-sized swimming pool in the backyard before buying the house. And they need a survey to do that. If they decide to waive the survey, they're not waiving the idea that they can never get a survey done. You can absolutely get a survey done on your property after you buy your home. If you go, hey, we're just kind of curious to know where the lines are because we want to know what's ours responsible to mow and what's not. And it's not a deal breaker. You can get it after the, the, you buy the home. So if you waive a contingency, you can still do it after you buy the house. You're not waiving it that you'll never do it. You're just saying that it's a reason you can't back out of the sales contract. Lou, that conversation made sense in my head. Does that make sense to you? I got you. I got okay. You. So that's the big thing that I want to drive home because that's the bigger bullet point that a lot of buyers miss. So yeah, there, there you go. You can still do those activities. So oh, gotcha. Yes. So there's, so there's uh, there looks to me there are like five most common contingencies that show up in the sales contract. And looking at these, they all look to me reasonable. But go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So there there are a million contingencies that you can put on the on the on the property because again, you can you can make up your own contingency. You could say if you wanted to put in the sales contract. I can only close on full moons. If there is not a full moon on the day of closing, I want to terminate the sales contract. Yeah, that's technically a contingency. No buyer's going to accept or no seller's going to accept. I guess if you're superstitious offer. or something, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, these are the five most common ones that we see. Number one, probably the most common is the mortgage contingency. Um, this is actually kind of fun. We talked about this a while back, maybe almost two years ago. Um, but in, in the state of Pennsylvania, if you're a cash buyer, you don't tell people that you're a cash buyer. You tell them that you're waiving the mortgage contingency. Mm. So electing the mortgage contingency just says that you're going to elect a mortgage uh, to get a mortgage on the property. And in the mortgage uh, contingency, you are going to tell them what kind of mortgage, who are you going with, um, what kind, you know, conventional FHA, uh, VA, um, USDA, if it's conventional, how much are you putting down? What do you want the loan amount to be? All that kind of this stuff. This goes back so, to like, I think our very first podcast where we talked about getting your money together before you do anything. So if you have your money together, you know, you know what the bank is going to be able to give you, blah, blah, blah. And you're, you're squared yeah. away. You have less issues with yes. this, correct? Yes. Yes. If you do your homework the right way and you've been talking to your lender and you've submitted all your documents, this should be a no brainer. Um, I've only had one or two people um, have to terminate over the mortgage contingency. Um, and I was none the pleased when it happened. And, and it was very unique circumstances because of the uniqueness. I'm not going to disclose it on this podcast because that's not fair to the people involved. But <laughs> if you talk to me, I can kind of give you a rough idea of what happened. So, yeah. Yeah. But if you if you do your due diligence ahead of time and you've given all your documents to your lender to review, um, you know, you've given them bank statements, W-2s, tax returns, you know, pay stubs, all that. Um you should be you should be good to go. So yeah, 
Okay. And then the next one? <clears throat> inspection contingency. So this is the next most common one. Um, and within the inspection contingency, you'll elect, at least on the residential side, um, you will elect your specific contingencies. Are you getting a home inspection, pest, radon, survey, property flood insurance, camera sewer test? You'll elect which one specifically, but you know, you're getting some type of you know inspection on the house, whether it's a generic home inspection or if it's something specific to a specific part of the house. Yep. Okay. And then the next one, of course, is the appraisal. Yeah, appraisal contingency. This is also pretty straightforward. Um, most people, there's a couple different ways you can structure the appraisal contingency, but the most common one we see is, hey, it's got to appraise. If it doesn't appraise, we need to be able to renegotiate or walk away if we can't come to an, to an agreement. You know, if we buy a house for 150,000 and it only places for appraises for 145, we want to be able to negotiate that $5,000 difference. Makes so, yeah. just common sense. Now, what does you mean by this next one says settlement? Yes. So the, the, these last two are a little um, less common, but they're still out there. Settlement contingency just states that um, you are buying a house. However, you are also selling your current home. Your current home is under contract, but you need to close on that home to take the funds to buy your new house. You've already sold the property. You just need to close on it. You need to settle on it. You need settlement to occur. So the settlement contingency just says you have to close on your current home that's already under contract so you can use the funds to buy the new house. And what, so. is, what is sale and settlement? Sale and settlement is the exact same thing as the settlement contingency. The only difference is um, you have not gone under contract with your current house. Oh. So you need to go under contract with your current house, sell it so that you can use the proceeds. I think we did about a year, year and a half ago, a podcast on the settlement contingencies, sale and settlement contingencies. Um, and, and I did not disclose my great disdain uh, for that, for those the settlement contingency I'm fine on. The settlement contingency is not a problem, especially if you're far enough in, you're through inspections and the appraisal on your current house. Um, usually a settlement contingency is very easy to push through because most, most sellers will go, oh, this is just kind of a safety net in case something bizarre happens. But otherwise it looks like, you know, there's a 95% chance this is still going to close. The sale and settlement contingency is a little bit rougher because if you've not gotten a contract yet and you need to sell it and you need to close on it, basically you're going to a seller and saying, I want to buy your house, but I can't give you a close date because I haven't sold my house yet. So I want to buy your house at a future undisclosed time and date, which okay. always makes a seller feel great, <laughs> oh, which, okay. yeah, which is really not happening in a seller's market right now. Again, 2010, totally different ball game. But right now in, in 2022 with the seller's market, it's, it's really hard to, to push that through right now. So how long do these periods, uh, uh, how long uh, do they have for these contingencies? As our great attorney friend, Dan Gastine would say, it depends. Um, it depends on what contingency you're talking about. So um, the, the could be, cause basically each, each one is individual. So the inspection contingency, I think the sales contract allots for, for 10 days. I know I usually try to negotiate 12 to 15 for my buyers. So usually you're going to see now, again, 
or speaking in absolutes here, I've had some weird situations come up, some unique situations come up, but on average, on average, the inspection contingency is going to probably be 10 to 15 days. On average, the appraisal contingency is probably going to be um, 25 to maybe 30, 35 days uh, by the time the appraiser gets out there, looks at the property, does everything they need to do. Um, The mortgage contingency rides with the 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 life of the the sales contract because basically the mortgage contingency is written in such a way that um that it's there as long as you're still under contract because you need the mortgage owner to close on the property. I know for me personally, um, there is a line in the mortgage contingency that states that we're going to have a mortgage commitment by a certain date. Mortgage commitment basically just says whether outright or conditional, the lender has approved this, the buyer for the loan. I usually make that one week prior to closing. So otherwise, the mortgage contingency rides with the the life of the um the life of the the sales contract settlement contingency that's going to be um until the the person the the buyer closes on their new house so that that one varies it could be as early as next week or it could be as late as 45 days down the road because it just depends they're under contract and it depends on whenever their house is closing so um and then sale and settlement um i usually never recommend letting this be more than like 30 to 60 days because basically sale and settlement says i i need to sell my house and close on it before I can buy your house. And my thought is, dude, if you can't get your house sold in like 30 or 60 days, we're just going to let you go. We're just going to let you go. So we're going to, we're going to, you know, take off and find someone else if you can't get your house house sold in 60 days. So that one's usually in that 30 to 60, uh, 30 to 60 day range, if not, maybe even sooner, given how hot the sales market is right now. Okay. Um, right. Anything can happen. You want to have those uh, loopholes or those uh, uh, trap doors, escape those escape doors if you can. Uh, but you also you have to be reasonable and it can't go too long. It makes total sense. Right. Um, so what happens if a buyer does need to terminate over the contingencies that they have you know, in the sales tra- contract? That's a great question, Lou. It's funny because when we were having discussion in the last podcast episode about terminating, I was like, what happened to my notes that I put in here about terminating? And then I realized, oh, we're talking about it in this episode too. So I put it in this episode. I didn't put it in the last episode. So if you listen to the last episode, I apologize. Um, It's actually going to be almost the same dialogue. So it'll be a great review. If you didn't listen to the last uh, episode, shame on you. Go back and listen to that one after this one. It's a good one. Um, Go check it out. (laughs) It's it's a great one. It's a great one. Um, uh, Basically what happens if a buyer has to terminate over one of the contingencies, there's a uh, one page termination slash release of hand money. If the buyer is going to terminate over one of the contingencies, the top portion is the termination letter. It says it's a unilateral letter. What that means is only one party has to sign off uh, for the, the contract to be terminated. What you do is you list the specific reason you cite either the paragraph in the sales contract, you know, based on, you know, 13 B three a my, uh, my house, inspection. didn't my house didn't sell. Right, right. Or this this addendum that we attached for that reason, I'm terminating. And that just has to be signed by the buyer unilateral. Once they sign off on it, it doesn't matter what the sellers say. Done over. Boom. This buyer is no longer legally required to buy the property. 
The release of hand money, though, which is the second half of that form, the second half of the one page form is a binary form. What that means is both parties have to sign off on it, no matter in the sales contract, how clearly it states who gets the hand money, the broker or the party that's holding the hand money cannot release it unless both parties sign off on it. Um, so normally, if the buyer is uh, requesting termination, usually they're going to ask the hand money be released back to them. Both parties sign off on that. And then once the uh, the party holding that hand money gets that uh, sign, release uh, of, of hand money signed by both parties, they can release it. And I will tell you this much, just from personal experience, buyers go, but, 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 but what if the sellers don't sign? You have to cite as the buyer the specific page paragraph number where it says that you have the right to terminate and you have the right to get the hand money back um, if you decide to terminate. You need to be able to point to that, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer. However, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, as long as you're able to point to the very specific part of the sales contract that says that I've never had a seller not sign the release of hand money because they know if they fight it, they're going to lose, or there's a very large probability that they're going to lose because basically the very short version, and again, not wanting to go down this rabbit hole because I do want to go down it. Not today though. I want to get an attorney on here uh, to discuss it. The the release of hand money, if there's basically a discrepancy, you're you're going to the lo either the local magistrate or like the small claims court to fight over it. And basically the judge is going to release a decree as to who is entitled to the hand money. If they don't get the signed releasing hand money by both parties. They wait for that court order from the judge. That's what get it's, That's what causes the hand money to get released. And uh, for the sellers, they know that if it very clearly says the buyers are, to, are entitled to the hand money back, they're hard pressed not to sign it. Because like I said, not a judge, don't make the decision, but I'd be very hard pressed to find a judge who's gonna not award the money to the party that's allowed uh, to have the money back. Very, very short story about 12 years ago, um, in a previous employer, in a previous um, profession that I was in, I found myself in front of a local magistrate with some disputes over some salary that was paid to me. Um, and even though um, I don't use this phrase lightly, those people that I were working for were a bunch of dipshits. Uh, the judge was like, even though they screwed up, they royally screwed up legally, they have a right to their money and you have to give it back. So. Uh. Yeah, don't worry. I got a really good attorney that helped me fight it and I didn't have to pay as much back. It was before I knew Dan Gastino. It was before I knew Don Formoso. So I didn't go with those two guys. I went with another kick-ass attorney, but I didn't have to owe them as much. And oh, by the way, the best part about it, the best part about that situation, the two people that were kind of leading the charge with the whole taking me to the magistrate over their big screw up, like two years later, just up and left in like the middle of the night and are now working in like lower paying jobs somewhere else. So it's like, hmm, how badly did you screw up other portions of this job yeah. that you had to randomly up? Because as, as, as everyone knows, um, I was in education before I got into real estate. So it involved a school district. And if you know anything about well, any employer, it's never good to up and leave in the middle of the night. But in the middle of the school year, too, that's an even bigger red flag if you work for a school district. But I digress. Okay. <laughs> Other than that, any final thoughts? Uh, just the final thought is this. If after this episode, you're still confused on what a contingency is, call me, call someone. It's a really important concept to understand. It's there for your benefit. Yes, it can make an offer less desirable, but 
it's also a great way to have an escape clause if you're concerned about you know something when, when it comes to making an offer on the home. So uh, it's a, it's a, it's an important tool to have when crafting the offer. If you don't understand it, get with someone who will teach it to you and explain it to you because it's an important concept to understand before you craft your final offer on the house. Okay. All right. This is uh, kind of a involved sort of topic here. It's a kind of like if this, then that sort of situation. Best to make sure that you have an awesome real estate advisor on your team whenever you're buying or selling so that you can avoid as many pitfalls as you can or if you run into a funky situation you got somebody there who can guide you through the process and you want to do that by reaching out to Jason at 412-651-4638 or you can email Jason at jason.wilcox at pittsburghmoves.com hope you guys really enjoyed today's episode I know found it fascinating as always and we have a lot more to come so we will see you on the next Really Real Real Estate Podcast with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.